We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. You're in a lot of trouble, and maybe it's because... Well, sorry, Canada. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Toronto. And because Philly sucks. I feel like I fear Boston most of all out of any of the Eastern Conference teams. Nah. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Nah. Ooh, there it is. The Brew Hoop Podcast, episode 53. Uh, for those of you listening via just the podcast, uh, of course, uh, this will sound probably a little bit different from some of our other podcasts. We've decided to try out the live stream element of uh, the the system that we use. It's called StreamYard. So we thought it might be kind of fun given the current situation to have our faces be out there. So hopefully going forward on Sunday morning, we're going to be doing live streams and you'll be able to tune in with us, um, see our faces, see us, you know, shoot the breeze with one another, talk about bucks, talk about probably life because there's not a whole lot of buck stuff to talk about as well. Um, but, uh, for, you know, for those of you listening, of course, this is Adam Paris, co-managing editor of brewhoop.com. Thank you for everyone who's, who's tuning in. Um, thank you for everyone who's listening. And I'm joined as per usual by, uh, Kyle Carr and well, it was joined by Kyle Carr. Oh, <laughs> he's back. There he is. And this and is what Riley... happens when you have shitty internet <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Riley Feldman guys, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I usually, I guess I'm usually the one that jumps in first. I'm hanging in there. We are on day six of quarantine. We've officially run out of rom-coms to get us through the uh, the cold <laughs> evenings up here in Minneapolis. So it's about to get desperate, but uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, I don't know if people know, I work at a large financial institution. And so we're still considered critical infrastructure or whatever. So I still go into downtown Minneapolis to work, uh, which is probably risky on my part, but otherwise I'm doing okay. So. Yeah, I am doing okay with this lockdown with my job. It focuses a lot on college campus recruiting, which is really difficult to do when all the colleges are shut down because of this <laughs> virus. So it's consistent of me working from home, which has been mixed. And then when I'm not working, I've been playing Animal Crossing or watching Psych or something. So at least like when I'm not working, this has been fine. I've, I've been able to manage it just from eight to five where I'm kind of screwed. So the working from home life, I'm working from home too. I have been for about two weeks. It is very, it is a very difficult thing for me to get used to. My, all of my routines feel feel messed up. It's the hardest part for me. I don't know about you guys or Kyle, I guess, since Riley, you still get to go in. I have a really hard time not just like snacking all the time and just going and grabbing <laughs> snacks from <Yes>. the kitchen. <laughs> it's like impossible not to do that. I'm like trying to keep till my like lunch and then wait a while and then eat a big dinner routine, but I am not very successful at it. Yeah, I think the weirdest part of the routine is more like the getting ready in the morning because like I don't have to, you know, get dressed and shower as much or to and not have to worry about driving. Like I still take Gio on in the morning and I'll still brush my teeth. That's probably it. So it is nice that I can save about 15, 20 minutes of my day, not having to worry about that. Are you guys required by your employer to be like on the chat, like Skype or Microsoft, like whatever, like 
messaging system or like like uh my fiance she had to do like a live video update to like hey i'm actually like working and alive or whatever have you had to do anything like that to like show to your employer that you are still working or i've had to be on like i have to show that i'm online for skype but most of the time if i don't respond to an email everyone will know because most of it's going to be hey can we give this person an offer letter or when does this person internship end so if i don't answer that question they're gonna realize i'm not working <laughs> so but mainly skype has been the way that i've just shown that i'm online okay yeah we're we don't have like a you know people aren't like checking per se we have people who can remote you we use like remote desktop and you can like see who's online oh, yeah. or not but uh i usually don't use that because it's like it's slow as molasses so i just like use my personal computer and then figure it out from there um we use slack so i guess kind of slack being online is that way to do it but i don't know they haven't been too rigid with it so far good nor should they be is it weird for you still going into the office yeah a little bit i mean so like i live near the university of minnesota's campus and so the bus line that we normally take is full of students for the most part whenever i go in the morning and now obviously because the university is closed um there's like nobody on the bus like the this past week it was just me and maybe one other person in addition to the bus driver um and but it's not too weird because there's still a lot of people who are showing up at the offices for uh my employer um and i think that's just because there's a lot of customer facing roles that's you know for me specifically we work with a lot of export documentation and so like somebody has to physically be there to like handle and then send them out abroad or whatever so um you know it, it's not too weird it's and even in minneapolis it's not like a complete shutdown where it's a ghost town there's still quite a few like people driving around it's not as busy as it used to be but you know compared to maybe like philly or i don't know how it is in madison this it's there's still you know signs of life people moving around downtown so it's not too strange yeah i haven't really tried going downtown or <laughs> going out much at all so i can't i don't know how dead it's i'm sure like around five o'clock when it's normally rush hour on the belt line is emptier just with the lack of cars but i would say working from home what i've realized is it's nice when it's an option but when it's forced is when it kind of sucks i agree i had to start getting myself um dressed and putting on like button downs and stuff because by like day three last week i was like this is I can't do this anymore. I can't like slide out of that bed. Point, thankfully. <laughs> I was like slowly, like, I was just like slide out of bed, get into clothes, work. I make dinner in those clothes. I sleep in those clothes. Wake up, do it again. The like clothes are rotting off of you slowly yeah. but surely. Like... <laughs> Day five at work. I'm just, my shirt is, has a giant yeah. hole ripping out the back now. It's good stuff. <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, NS on the live stream, working from home is where it's at. That's what I'm talking about. I guess we don't know what struggles you're having, but, uh, you know, feel free to let us know in the comments. Anyone who's watching, feel free to just leave us a comment or something you want us to talk about. We'll be happy, more than happy to interact with it, given the uh, dearth of Buck's comments or commentary that we can have. But I am curious. We haven't talked really since this whole thing went down. Like, Kyle, what was your initial reaction like when the Rudy Gobert news hit and then everything sort of cascaded from there. Yeah, I kind of mentioned it on the round table, but it just felt like it just escalated really quickly because it went from, okay, this is something that be aware of, wash your hands, it's fine, to wash your hands, maybe try not to be around as many people as possible. Then it turned into, okay, don't go out to 
we're just going to limit it to 50 people to now it's a whole shutdown. Like everything just escalated so quickly. And when the Rudy Gobert news hit, I remember just sitting at home and it just like, as I was scrolling through Twitter, it just seemed like there's a new update where all of a sudden it was, okay, they're postponing game. And now the game's pretty much called off. And then it was Rudy Gobert is testing positive. And then all the players are getting like locked down in one specific spot to get tested to make sure that they're not spreading it. And it just, and then went to that to, okay, we're just going to suspend the season. And it was kind of the same. It was funny because it was always wondering which league was going to be the first to fall. And it seemed like the NBA was one of the first ones to announce we're done. We're not, we're just going to postpone it. And I think that really caught me off guard. Cause like once the NBA did it, then you saw the NHL, then you saw, you know, the NCAA tournament just got canceled. But then on the inverse, I'm looking at England, like over in Europe and all those soccer leagues and they're still playing the Premier League was still playing and having games that weekend. And then it took one of the coaches of the team to get it for them to shut down. But it was like England was still act like all is normal. Germany was going to act like all is normal, keep playing games. Italy was already shut down, but then you still like Spain and France were kind of that same boat where they just decided, no, we're not going to have these games. So I think for me, it's just more escalated and just like watching it in real time. It was one of the most surreal nights I think I've ever experienced just because it went from, it just seemed like it went from, okay, just wash your hands and like cover your mouth when you're coughing. If you have these symptoms, go in to, this is a full-blown pandemic. Everyone needs to stay inside. And it just seemed like it happened within not even like 24 hours. I thought it was going to be beautiful because when they called off the Jazz, was it Jazz Thunder, I think, was the game that was going to happen. So when they called that off, I think the Dallas, these are all games, I have to go back, but Dallas was playing, they finished their game, and then like hours after they called and they had suspended the season, it looked super likely like the Pelicans and the Kings were going to go forward. (laughs) Like Sacramento was going to go forward with their game, which I thought would have been so poetic (laughs) and beautiful for that franchise. A shame they didn't, probably for the best, obviously. Um, yeah, for me, I think it was interesting because like how said, if you looked at some of the leagues abroad, like I'm sure in China, they shut it all the way down. Um, there was a lot of places that were trying to do it without crowds. So it felt like it might've been a little feasible. And obviously once Rudy Gobert tested positive, that was just kind of game over at that point. You couldn't really continue after that. But I think had he not tested positive, they might've tried it through at least you know to get to the weekend maybe to try games because you know it felt viable other places were doing it things like that so i I think they should be credited and you know i'm sure we'll find out as the months go on you know how the process really broke down where the different ownership groups came in but you know i think they should be credited with the fact of getting on it as quickly as they did and instead of saying oh there's been a lot of events they're like oh we'll push it back two weeks you know they were like we're gonna give it the 30 days then after that, we're going to reevaluate. Now they've been in not necessarily clear, but they've been pretty good at through like Woj and Shams and whoever else to say, you know, we're, we're considering maybe July, August, maybe we'll do something like, you know, without the fans at that point, if we can quarantine people. I thought it was a little zany that like Silver the other day was like, we might do a charity game. I was like, I don't, I don't know if the, now is the time to do that. <laughs> like a week after you suspended the season. Uh, but I appreciate the, <laughs> the thought that's behind that. So, you know, I, I think they should get credit at least you know from the league office for being relatively straightforward or pretty clear about they don't know how they're going to handle it yet but instead of saying just two weeks then we'll look for you know we'll figure it out they gave it 30 days they didn't pressure themselves and i think that'll help out for figuring out whatever the solution is down the road yeah and uh i mean by all indications i mean the solution 
there really isn't one right now. I don't really think there's a, we're going to get any clarity on what the solution might be for a long time. I know, obviously, like Woj has insinuated they've talked about maybe August or something looking at dates, I think. But like, I just the, the hardest part for me, I think, is that we just have no clue when it might even come back. Like we won't probably won't know for months when we might even be able to see NBA basketball if we'll see it at all going forward. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think, and we can probably jump right into that talking about what the solutions are. Obviously, I mean, Adam, we're going to have to defer to you since you're the podcast medical expert. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so obviously you're going to be able to give us the breakdown of what the best case scenario is. But, um, you know, I think, the most realistic option. I don't believe they're going to call off the season completely. You know, obviously if we continue to have this relatively haphazard national solution to the whole thing, you know, then that's going to open up a lot of variability. But, you know, I think if you get to July and August, I think at this point they'd be okay with having a shortened next season, pushing that out to like Christmas or whatever they've said, and then just skip right to the playoffs. Maybe the first or the second round is shortened and then you go from there. But I think there's almost too much at stake and we've already talked about there's been a lot of discourse around the league of the regular season doesn't really mean anything there's you know not as not as much interest there's still a lot of interest but not nearly as much and you know even for me personally i was feeling it these past couple weeks where it's like i'm kind of not tired but i felt the attrition of the year and like the weird balance between like the wins are everything but the losses don't mean anything at all and the bucks were kind of struggling a little bit so there was like this weird confluence of things that made my personal enjoyment of the regular season, you know, a little touch and go at the end of the end of the year here. And so I think they're going to just skip to the playoffs. It's the easiest way to do it. Shorten season next season, do it around Christmas and then go from there. But I don't know if, you know, if there's an ideal solution that, you know, or something that seems more realistic to you guys or not. Yeah, I think the issue is I don't think it's coming back until it's summer, maybe June at best. But I think it would just be easier to jump into the playoffs, maybe have the first round be a best of five instead of the best of seven. And then you can still have rounds, you know, the next couple rounds be the best of seven. I'm just, because no one has a balanced amount of games played, do we try and get to a number that allows all the teams to have the same number of games? So then that way you can just base the record off of that because I, you know, you look at Milwaukee, I think they've played one or two less games than, I want to say like Toronto, like there are teams that are like, they've played two or three more games already. So how you manage mm -hmm. to get everyone on a level playing field and then go into the playoffs because, and it's not as much of an issue in terms of like what teams are going to make the playoffs. It's just more of a, how do you, how do you determine seeding and mm -hmm. in the West Western conference, there's still a couple of teams that are just neck and neck. So it's just more figuring out the seeding. So maybe just getting games to, you know, maybe I think they've played like what 50, ish 50 or 60 ish get them to 70 and 70 or 72 instead of the 82 and then he can dump straight into the playoffs but I, yeah i think it's going to start in like june or july have a shortened next season and have it start at christmas which would probably be even better for the league because then you can have games on christmas day and you'll you already get enough viewership when that happens but then you can increase that even more because it's going to be a return to the nba everyone's going to be available to watch come christmas time and you can still have your marquee team start off and then everyone starts, you know, the 26. So I think a shorten next year is going to be better because, and I don't know what anyone, I don't think anyone has an idea just because this hasn't happened before to this extent, you know, it's one thing if it was just one pocket of the country that was affected by this, but it's the whole country 
And not only that, it's also a worldwide thing. So you're looking at every other league is kind of trying to figure out the same thing. You know, NHL is trying to decide how we're going to do this. MLS is trying to figure out how we're going to do this. The XFL had to completely decide where it's going to give up on this year, but we'll come back next year. So how many other leagues are going to follow the suit and just maybe join later in the summer or just, I don't think anyone's going to cancel the season because I feel like there's a lot of financial ramifications that can happen with that. So I think they'll finish this current season. And then if they have to start the next season later, then they're going to do that. Yeah, man, this is like uncharted territory. I'm just going to shout out Ross J on the stream working from home starting tomorrow. I know you say you got to motivate yourself to shower. You got to do you, but I, I would highly recommend it as someone who's worked from home for uh, just a few days now. I would highly recommend it as a starting point. Um, you know, Maggie Kingman, shout out, watching the stream. Um, she's wondering whether this will affect Giannis and the boys messing with their routine. Um, I forget who tweeted it out, but seeing like some basement or something. But I also saw thought I saw something about like Jared some athlete who was on some pod with a national guy that I didn't listen to talked about how they think like players need like a month or something to get back into their routines. Um, because I, I think that's the other thing is like, we've also had this up in the air of like, can they go to the facilities? Can they not go to the facilities? Like, how are we going to be able to let players even get into the idea of, of, of ramping up to full speed? Because, you know, there's a reason there's like a month long preseason before, you know, the season even starts. And this is, this will probably, this wait, Will probably essentially be as long as the off season. So, you know, how is this going to affect, you know, potentially affect the idea, Riley, of like, will the Bucks be able to like get back into their routine, whether it's like just chemistry on the court or just individual player, uh, you know, fitness? Well, you know, the beautiful thing is because of the way Budenholzer's system is set up, we don't even need to be in shape. We don't need to practice anything. We know exactly what we're going to do every game. So I'm not worried there. Uh, okay. um, not, not so much like, no, I think the question Maggie poses is a good one because, you know, for somebody like Giannis or like Chris or any of the guys who maybe have bigger contracts or are planning on staying in town in theory a little bit longer, they have like homes and everything. And I think like you said, like Giannis, he has his own workout area. I think he was working on building like a basketball court semi-recently onto the house or whatever. So, you know, for those guys, it might be easier to stay in shape. Um, I, I think my concern would be probably for the guys like a Pat Connaughton or any of the guys who just like have apartments where even if they're in that location, maybe their building has like the shutdown on the equipment they can even go to. And like you said, the facilities. So like, even if they could, or, you know, wanted to try and keep in shape, it's going to be a lot of like high intensity <laughs> interval training, YouTube videos at home to, like, <laughs> to stay in shape for the most part, which like, that's one thing to do, but it's definitely not the norm for them. And so, you know, I saw, for example, Pat Connaughton on Instagram, he, he posted on his story about He's playing some Call of Duty, which I'm thinking that's going to help his reflexes when it comes to seeing the ball on the court when we're back up to full speed. So I, I, I agree that I'm not worried about their commitment per se. Like there are a couple of players who probably let themselves go in the offseason, but because they're still residually in the mode of being in the regular season, it's just going to be more so do they have access to their own personal facilities or and I'm sure they're in contact with like the team physicians with Suki Hobson. You know, I'm sure the coaching staff, everybody. So I'm not too worried because it's not like the offseason where we 
I'm, you know, I'm not a player, so I don't know how exactly how it works, but it's not like you sort of drop off the radar for a couple of weeks to a month. I'm sure they're in contact for the most part throughout the week to kind of get an idea of here's what we're doing. Here's what we'd like you to do. Um, and then if, and when the season returns, which, you know, I think that's still an open question. Um, then I think it'll just be a matter of, can we get back up to efficient speed to understand and kind of get used to each other once again? So I'm not too worried about like anybody adding 40 pounds during this uh, impromptu <laughs> off season per se. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting question. I don't know exactly how they'll handle it. Well, I think it's kind of tough because like the best way to get in shape for the basketball season is by playing basketball. And I mean, you can run outside as much as you can. You can do all the interval training, you can do the strength training, but I feel like cardio wise, it's just so different unless you're playing basketball consistently. I'm not worried about, yeah, I agree with Riley. I'm not worried that players are going to let themselves go and, you know, sit on the couch and play Xbox 24 seven, but it's definitely going to be it's more like the rhythm kind of like, especially with someone like Chris, where it takes him a while to get into a rhythm with the shooting that might be a little bit affected. Maybe it'll actually help Brooke, you know, kind of reset and improve his shooting. But I think it's going to be more the rhythm of how things are going to go with shooting with, you know, defensive positioning kind of more that area. But I, yeah, in terms of being conditioned, I think everyone, and then the nice thing is everyone's going to be on the same play field. So it's not like one team is going to be, you know, completely shut out and out of shape just because everyone's in the same boat. So everyone's going to have to regain their fitness and regain the rhythm. Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's going to be a fascinating, you know, return to form if it ever happens, uh, you know, going forward. NS is wondering, is LeBron going to win the MVP now? I think all these weird regular season <laughs> awards are like completely up in the air. I mean, it happened at a good time that, you know, any sort of momentum LeBron was getting will probably come to a, you know, be stalled out now uh, for, for our boy Giannis. Uh, there's a lot of months here where the stat nerds can really go to town on Giannis, you know, PIPM, RPM, all this kind of stuff, you know, really, really ramp up our boy. But I don't even know how they'll, you know, you know, Ross is wondering, he thinks the playoffs are over. They'll announce in May, they won't have a postseason. They'll just go forward with the next season in the fall. Um, I mean, I don't know. How would you guys feel? I mean, I know personally, like you, Riley, I kind of felt the same way. Like, you know, I, I love this season. Can't, you know, can't really complain about being on pace for 70 wins, but given like the taste of last year, it's kind of, I, the whole year was kind of like, I'm kind of ready for postseason basketball. Yeah. I, I would be pretty bitterly disappointed, obviously, if, if we don't get to see the Bucks compete at that sort of high level. Yeah, and I've seen people been like, well, you know, like I think NS also said we get the supporter shield like for having the best regular season record. <laughs> Which I mean, you know, I guess that'd be if if the NBA is really committed to like trying to mimic other soccer leagues around the world, maybe that's what they could do is they'll just they'll introduce that award on top of everything. Um yeah, I mean it would be disappointing obviously. I think uh it's it would be more so disappointing and it's it's kind of mixed because there's part of me that's like, you know, if, if we lost in the, you know, in the Eastern Conference Finals again, does that just ramp up the speculation? Or like now that we can't even have the possibility of losing, so well, Giannis can't be mad because we didn't, you know, obviously we would have won the entire damn thing. <laughs> um, and, and I think what would also be a little disappointing or maybe a little, not confusing, but difficult to work out is, if they cancel the whole season, what does that mean for things like the cap number next year? If they have this huge drop in basketball revenue, you know, does that automatically really lower the ceiling for how much a supermax for Giannis could be, for example, and how does that affect his decision? And so, 
you know, I would be worried about losing the rest of the season because you lose a chance to win a championship, even though we could like declare ourselves fake champions if we wanted, nobody could say otherwise. We, you're right that the timing was perfect because we were getting a little wobbly there between the Bucks and the Lakers. <laughs> so between the MVP conversation and the best regular season record, we good timing by Lazary and Edens to release the coronavirus at that time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I think I would just be more so, I would move on at this point because we're already a couple weeks a weekend, two weeks in, however long it's been, feels like it's going, taking forever. Um, and wondering what that means for like contract situations and how does that adjust Giannis's expectations or his calculus? Is he like, well, you know, being stuck with coronavirus in Milwaukee is not as cool as being stuck with coronavirus in LA. Is that something he considers as well? So that's kind of what I'm keeping in mind about the season. Yeah, I think, I don't think they're going to get rid of the playoffs. Like if anything, they'll just get rid of the rest of the regular season because if there's anything that's going to make the NBA a lot more money, it's more playoff games, just increase the viewership, just increase the stakes. So I think, and the owners can charge more money for tickets. So I think they would rather just call off the regular season, just go straight into playoffs. Cause that will make more money than a bunch of regular season games. But yeah, it would kind of suck if the bucks didn't have that chance to get the title just because, and I'm going through this right now with Liverpool is if they decide this year is just going to be canceled. Well, then all that work that they put in for the months prior, you know, over 75% of the season is completed. Is it really fair to just decide, no, we're not going to have this. So if they decide to give the Bucks the title as a consolation prize, I guess I'll be somewhat <laughs> okay with it because it's still a title, damn it. And I've been waiting my whole life for it, but it would definitely feel a little bit hollow if that happened. And I just think what, would likely be the scenario is Giannis might just decide, hey, I'm just going to we didn't get a, we didn't get a chance to compete for that title. I'm staying, and maybe he just signs a one year contract just to come, just you know, prove it, and then everyone comes back, wins the title, signs the super max. But it would be kind of funny that if the season were called off and it just went straight into the offseason, that is what convinces Giannis to sign because he's like, we could have won a title. I want to win it. Signs the super max. I'd be like. Okay. We'll cool. take it. I'm willing to lose the season <laughs> if that means we get a better contract on the back end. And I should say it would be incumbent upon us if the Bucks were awarded a totally hollow title, we'd have to go to the parade hundred percent. Like I don't care how hollow oh, yeah. it would be. And it would there wouldn't be a parade because of the coronavirus, but like <laughs> we'd have to stream the parade and like do commentary during it at least, just to really soak it all in from a distance. All I'm going to say is the University of Wisconsin won the simulated tournament on ESPN and they are ready to print t-shirts and stuff. I would do that for the box. I'm just saying we can call breaking tea and make that shirt happen. <laughs> oh God. I, 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 the Giannis thing is such a fascinating part of this. Cause that, truly that was one of the first things that crossed my mind when this happened is like, boy, this feels like a lot of complications for something that was either going to have like a very clear, Okay, we win the title. He's probably and then there's a whole other offseason of speculation. And now we might just get speculation regardless. Uh, and who and it and it comes with this weird added bet, like not a benefit, but like a weird added amount of like, well, what was the potential for the Bucks to win it this year? They looked really good, but like, how much does that mean to Giannis? Like, they didn't even get to show anything in the playoffs if those are canceled for some reason. Um, I, I feel like. You know, I was still leaning towards Giannis staying. I still would be leaning towards Giannis staying. I think there's a lot of stuff just in regards to like him 
you know, Maggie was wondering how, you know, our opinion on it. I think there's just a lot of, you know, ancillary stuff about Milwaukee that he likes. The fact that he doesn't really have to do that many media obligations. Like he's able to just sort of keep to himself. Like he doesn't really want stuff getting out that often. He kind of wants to just really, you know, he wants to, he's just a guy who really cares a lot more about basketball. So that's kind of why a big reason why I think he might, you know, would probably lean towards staying, but this whole, you know, coronavirus situation throws everything for a loop. Yeah, I think Giannis would – I think before the coronavirus, I would have said if the Bucks made the Eastern Conference Finals, then I would feel confident Giannis staying. I still feel that way. Um, it would just take a massive falling apart of the team. Maybe Chris just does something that pisses Giannis off to no end or, you know, Ruben Holzer <laughs> throws him under the bus or throws his brother under the bus or something. It would take something big for, yeah, I think, Giannis to change his mind, whether it's just the players pissing him off or the team just severely underachieving. So I, I still feel confident that he's going to stay just because I think he's he wants he keeps saying he wants to be Kobe, he wants to, you know, stay with the team as long as possible. I think as long as the Bucks give him ample reasons to stay, which I feel like they have to a certain extent, I don't know where else he would go that would help him win a title more likely because I don't think going to Golden State is going to do that. And I don't think other than Toronto, I don't even know if they have the cap space and if they do then you have to shift the roster around. So I think there's too many teams that don't have both the cap space and the talent for him to just jump in and kind of like a LeBron back in 2010 where he could just jump in and instantly be a contender. I would love the oral, like if there was a situation where Chris and Giannis, because they're both competitive, we've heard all these articles about them, you know, really scrapping it out when they were trying to figure out roster spaces and minutes and everything. If if I think the Nasus is better than... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Giannis away from Milwaukee. Um, now, I, I think you're right, Kyle, that at this point, and you know, going back to Maggie's original question, it all comes down to the Bucks have done pretty much everything besides pay the luxury tax, which we don't have to get into. They've done everything that you could really realistically ask for as a player to put you in a position on the basketball side of things. And I think, you know, as much as I like ragging on the ownership group, because it's just what I do, um, they should be given credit for like all the upgrades and the training facilities and the staff. And, you know, I think there are questions about Budenholzer, but I mean, given the circumstances where we were at before with Jason Kidd, I mean, obviously the, the upgrade is massive. Um, and so from all those aspects of like what you do, what a basketball player has to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, he is, the big fish like he he obviously is like king of the city you know if he sticks around I, I would have no problem with like declaring him the best player in franchise history if he signs the supermax so th there's like you know there are a lot of different driving factors where does he like like Kyle said is he looking at his legacy long term and yes you know we live in this era where your legacy is tied to how much winning you do but I mean we're winning in boatloads and like we were saying, we only have last season as the as the one example of coming up short. You know, who's to say if we have three, four, five more shots at it, if that would continue to happen? And even then, even if you were still struggling, I'm sure the organization would be willing to make changes as well. And so it, it all comes down to like a lifestyle thing. Like, does he appreciate the relatively low profile he has in Milwaukee and in Wisconsin generally? Or is he looking for something where like, you know, his, his girlfriend, her, her family's from California, I think from like Fresno or something, you know, is, is there something where that would make more sense for him because most of his family besides his mom is going to be out and about, you know, around the league, except now Thanasis is here. Um, so those are the kind of different things. I, I feel 
pretty confident. I'm just not sure if it's going to be like the full, is it five-year extension, I think, four or five-year extension? I'm not sure if it'll be the full thing. It, it might be like three seasons, two, three seasons, like the LeBron situation, just so you can keep his options open. But you know, at this point, I think an extension would come. It's just a question of how many years to me more than anything else. Yeah. Um, you know, shout out Ross, who's R983 on Brew Hoop. Uh, you mentioned that. Uh, Brew Hoop commenter <laughs> and uh, fan post extraordinaire. Thanks for joining, man. Yes. Uh, so Mark, Mark Schultz joins. He, he asked a question. Any ideas how the NBA and WNBA could enhance each other if they are playing at the same time? So I'm I'm admittedly not like a big WNBA fan, not for any, you know, I just don't, I just never really have watched it that much. I kind of like, I kind of am basketballed out, honestly, by the, by the summer. Um, but he brings up a, I mean, it's an interesting point I hadn't thought about is most of those, you know, those teams are playing in arenas that, you know, NBA teams are playing in as well. So like, there's a, another added element to that. And we've talked, you know, there's plenty of scheduling conflicts already for these places, whether it's concerts that were going to happen. Um, the Democratic National Convention was going to happen in Milwaukee. I mean, I don't think they've said anything about that yet, but that's obviously a, a scheduling conflict as well. Uh, in terms of how they could enhance each other at the same time, um, you know, I'm not totally sure how they would do that. And I, I, I would honestly wonder whether the WNBA season would happen just given I know the, the the financial ramifications of that league are you know there's a, there's a lot of issues with that and then bringing in any money for the NBA. Yeah, I think the toughest part would be just not not really the arenas, but just more trying to market it. And I think the best thing you could do is maybe have like a WNBA game like follow an NBA game or vice versa, kind of have it like be a double header. And at least with, you know, like Minnesota, with the Lynx and the Timberwolves, they share the same arena. So maybe you still have both events going on. And I, I team like the Timberwolves, where they're probably going to need as many fans to show up as possible. They can say, like, you know, if you buy, you know, a Lynx ticket, if you buy Timberwolves ticket, you get the Lynx ticket for free or something. Like, find a way to, like, incorporate both of them. So I think for teams like that that share the same city and share the same arena, you can do something like that. But for other teams like over Connecticut, maybe you just have it that they have a double header so have the game go before or after it's going to be yeah i kind of agree i don't know how they're going to do this year because the WNBA has to get a lot of you know fan traction and get people to show up to the arenas just because it's not like they have like the greatest media contract so maybe this is something like a channel like lifetime or you know just another channel jumps in and tries to get the advertising rights. I don't know if that's even possible, but just trying to find ways to do that just because it's going to, it's going to be difficult to have those two overlap and you still have baseball and you'll have, you'll have a lot of other sports going on at the same time. So it's just more of trying to get everyone's attention. I'll try and watch WNBA if it's on and it's like, if it's readily available on like ESPN, then I would gladly watch it. But that's kind of the tough part. I feel like it's never on like a streaming platform. So maybe if it's solely on ESPN plus, that would be better than nothing. Yeah, I think it. this whole thing brings up an interesting question about where you put the season because, I mean, I don't really care about baseball um, personally. I know there are people who care about baseball, but I think even baseball fans would admit that like the first half or like two thirds of the season is just kind of, you know, it's not lackadaisical, but there's a reason why there's 162 games. You can kind of come and go. It's not like, you know, there is importance to every game like there is in the 82 for the NBA, but, you know, they lose their importance a little bit the more that you have. And so does this present an opportunity where for both the NBA and the WNBA, you move it 
I wouldn't even say they're necessarily competing all that much with the NFL on the front end of the season, you know, because it's, it's the front part of the season, but that the like middle section of the year, you know, it's not that they have a lot of stuff that they're competing against necessarily. So I, I'm curious if they move it to the summer, are they able to like reorient? And if like the season's a little bit shorter, they increase like the importance of each game and they have even less competition between like football or, you know, baseball, there's not that much discussion, things like that. Um, and if you combine it and line it up, like you were saying, Kyle, if you're able to do it like a back-to-back where it goes right in from like a marquee NBA game into a WNBA game. And like the plus side is, I think for the majority of the WNBA teams, they're already owned by whoever the owner of like the local area and be like, at least up here in Minnesota, the links are owned by the same owner who owns the, uh, the Timberwolves. So I'd, I'd have to double check to see if that's the case everywhere else. But, you know, if you have situations like that, it should be relatively easy for the two leagues to coordinate with one another. And really at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's no real skin off the NBA's back. Like, you know, just more people watching basketball is always a good thing. And if you are able to push this other thing to then again, loop all the way back into, you know, if there are people who are, generally fans of the WNBA or get into that. Maybe they'll follow into other pro basketball. So, you know, how they would do it, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I think there's a possibility, which is why this is both annoying because the season's over, but also a huge plus because it gives the NBA a perfect excuse to do a bunch of experimentation that previously might have been fighting tooth and nail with like, you know, Tillman Fertitta or whoever the hell to be like, let's do something slightly different because we have to because of this virus. And that opens up opportunities to partner with other leagues as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good. It's really going to be fascinating. One of the I mean, I do feel bad for anyone who is like, obviously, you know, all sports fans can feel bad. But for anyone who is like a diehard WNBA fan, I really hope they are still able to find a way to do the season um, because I, you know, Personally, uh, in all honesty, I bet that's probably one of the least concerns of the w- of anyone who's in charge of the NBA right now. Um, and they're, you know, they also run the WNBA, so that's kind of a kind of a bummer. So I'm really hoping that they do find a way to accommodate that for anyone who who, who is like, you know, a huge Blinks fan or a huge Sparks fan, any of those people. Um, all right, guys. All right, so we had a couple couple uh, topics prepared, um, and I want to move into them. We're going to be talking about players from non-playoff teams that you would want on the Milwaukee Bucks. And we are going to do that right in one second. We're just going to pause for a quick ad break, okay? You guys are watching the magic happen right now live. All right. All right. For the podcast listeners, we're back. Thank you so much. Uh, All right, guys. We are going to do a segment where we go through players from non-playoff teams that you would want on the Bucks. And the um, Ross J. Steph Curry, that's a great suggestion. Mm-hmm. He would be good. I on like the that Bucks. one a lot. I like yeah, that one a lot. That's a really <laughs> solid suggestion. I think he would work really well. But it, we put some parameters on it. And the, the parameters that I gave um, Riley yesterday were um, MLE, uh, mid level exception or less. But then I realized I said whatever Brooke made, and he doesn't make the MLE. Um, so what we're at is $12.5 million or less. So a player who's slightly better than the MLE or less. So we had it at 12 and a half million basically or less um, players that you would want from non-playoff teams on the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I I found this exercise harder than I thought it would be, but I'm interested (laughs) to see who you have, Riley. So I I think, I don't know how we want to do this. If we just want to do it like in the order that you have it in the outline, just kind of give or take. So here's the other thing that I did. So, 
you know, for a lot of these, it's easy to be like, well, I would love Trey Young because <laughs> he makes minimum. <laughs> I'm going to assume those kinds of guys who are still on rookie deals or like really big parts of those teams. I'm not going to go for them. Um, and so, I mean, I don't know if do we want to just start with like Washington or <laughs> or Zion, for example, well, or you could just say, I would just say whoever say whoever you got. I wouldn't say we have to go team by team. Okay, so a couple of examples that I have. So, and a lot of them, you're going to be some of these names. You're like, hmm, I've heard of these guys before. Ish Smith, anybody? He's shooting thirty six point thirty six percent from three this year. A four point eight to one point four assist to turnover ratio. Perfect. Eric Bledsoe backup. Uh, Charlotte. I looked through. The only guy I would have wanted was Marv, and uh, we have Marvin Williams. So. <laughs> it's a huge plus there. Uh, I have for Chicago, uh, Tomas Sanaransky. I know a lot of people are really high on him um, as an option. Uh, Taj Gibson from New York, just so he doesn't kill us in case. Uh, I mean, I don't know if anybody's getting bought out anymore this season, but there was a time period where he was with Chicago where he would put up 40 and 25 routinely against the Bucks. So I think insurance to bring him in uh detroit christian wood for chaos factor you have to right i mean at this point there's a lot of there's a lot of different books you could go for but christian wood is the upside play plus it would fulfill everybody's desires to have not everybody's but the diehard christian wood fans to have him back um atlanta i was looking through there wasn't anybody who was like super confident like josh collins i guess vince carter if you like you know, older dudes, if you want like the veteran savvy, there wasn't anybody there that jumped out. And then Cleveland's just to wrap up the East. It's got to be Delhi, right? I mean, again, more, <laughs> more, back, more backup point guard. I'm really not sure if I would say I, I was looking through, I had forgotten that Dante Exum was in the league because I haven't heard anything from them. So, uh, you know, I, I think maybe Larry Nance would be the other option there, but if you're just looking at, you know, to be silly, uh, probably <laughs> Matthew Delvadova would be my next pick. So this is it's an interesting one. I was looking more so for like at this point backups for um, in case Eric Bledsoe detonates into a million parts, and you know, who knows if we're gonna find out if that was the case. But you know, I was just kind of looking around for point guards or guards in general that might be able to back up, or like I said, with Christian Wood, just kind of chaos factor. All right. Well, R983 has a few here. He was in on Christian Wood with you. Uh, so didn't like the Ish Smith, Ish Smith pick as much. Uh, NS has Tony Snell, uh, R93, uh, with, with Henson as well as the suggestion. Um, boy, those are a lot of solid picks. I like the, the mix of sentimentality yeah. uh, and, you know, effectiveness uh, on the Bucks roster. You know, you really, you know, you walked a, a nice line there. I think people forget, and I'm not sure if this is the case. Did Ish Smith have to start a game in that series against the Heat where we got totally dominated when uh, he came with Probably. JJ Redick? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would, I would hope so. Um, maybe he does suck, and that's. But part of the issue with this exercise is there's a reason why these dudes suck and they play on sucky teams. So I mean, you're kind of. <laughs> You're not exactly having a lot of good picks, especially given the other circumstances. Maybe you could do like Davis Bertans if you wanted him, but I wasn't too concerned. So sentimentality, <laughs> you put Davis Bertans. Okay, so well, Absolutely. you can make the case for him. Um, but yeah, so that's why I went with it. just for sentimentality. And he was like the least annoying part of the whole Orlando trade that brought JJ Redick to Milwaukee. So that's why I went for him. All right, Kyle, you got a few? Uh, yeah, I had a few years of Washington. I went with David Bertans just because, I mean, to have someone that can come off the bench and shoot and shoot well, that sounded appealing. I do have shades of Nikola Mirotic nightmare still haunting me, but <laughs> it would still be better 
than trying to rely on Ursan and Lee Silva. So I had him for the Bulls. I just didn't have anyone. There's no one on Chicago. Coach Boylan. Really Coach Boylan. <laughs> I mean, if if we could take rookies, I would take Kobe White. Like he would have been a great option because I think he's going to be pretty solid. Or you know, I think that would have been fine. But I couldn't think of anyone for Chicago. Charlotte, kind of the same thing. We kind of got the one guy I would want the most. Um, for the Knicks, I thought Alfred Payton would be a bad option, just because I know he's not a great point guard, but. He seems to have improved since his time in Orlando, just more in terms of being a ball handler and a playmaker. So I would probably go with Alfred Payton, uh, Detroit, also would go Christian Wood, mainly because I just want to see how many subtweets to give fire back at Budenholzer again. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> Atlanta. Um, yeah, again, it was kind of tough because Atlanta I feel like, has like, a bunch of guys on rookie contracts and then Vince Carter's corpse. So I <laughs> guess I would go with Vince Carter because my other option would have been DeAndre Hunter, but again, he's on a rookie deal. It was tough because on the Eastern Conference, I feel like a lot of these teams are just intentionally tanking, so they're just putting these guys on lower contracts. And then for Cleveland, I, yeah, Adeli would be an interesting one. Dante Axel was the one I went with just because I feel like he's the one guy from that 2014 draft that everyone was thinking this would be the ultimate steal. Like, this mm-hmm. guy... Is out of the big out of the three between Jabari, Wiggins, and Embiid, this guy's going to be the star. He's going to be the one that changes heads, and no one knew much about him because he was over in Australia. Now it's kind of like injuries completely robbed him. So it would be interesting to see how Dante Exum would uh, be in the current NBA situation, despite all the injuries. So that's who I had for the Eastern Conference. I did have one extra person, even though they're technically in the playoffs. I went with Markel Fultz or Terrence Ross because Terrence Ross wouldn't be able to kill the Bucks mm-hmm. if he's sitting on the bench and warming it. While Markel Fultz, I, I think everyone's starting to see it now how good he has been and how good he could have been if Philly didn't completely ruin him. I think the magic ones are valid. One, because the spreadsheet I put together accidentally left magic people on there and I forgot <laughs> they're in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two, uh, because, you know, that the Wizards could sneak in in the eight seed. The guy, I, I liked Terrence Rust as well, um, if we wanted him. I think DJ Augustine would have been very good mm-hmm. if we were able to select him. Um, I had very few Eastern Conference people who I really <laughs> liked. Uh, I don't know why. I really only had... As I was looking through the contract, one guy who is still getting paid, uh, Josh Smith, shout out. Let's go. Um, nice how is he still getting paid? <laughs> Stan Van got, Gundy is how. Yeah, he's got that Larry Sanders uh, deal. Uh, okay. <laughs> so for I, I had sentimental people. Um, I had Matthew. I Actually, I don't know if I need Delvadova for sentimental reasons, but I do. I don't think I need Tony Snell either, but I do need John Henson. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I looked at the East – and the players that were available, I didn't think any of them were really going to add anything that's going to help this team um, win the playoffs. So if I had to pick an Eastern person, I'd want it to be John Henson so that he could get a ring as a member mm-hmm. of the Milwaukee Bucks. So he would be he would be my very helpful pick for this team. He Coach Budenholzer got his hands on him for two weeks and turned him into a sharpshooter from three. <laughs> it was it was the most amazing part of the first like week and a half of the season was like all of a sudden John Henson was just stroking it from three. So I I would agree that of all like the you know he wouldn't be the chaos pick he'd be the nice guy who. You know, I mean, we'll talk a little bit later about cult heroes. He did not make my cult hero list because I think he's a little too uh, wishy-washy. But anytime a guy 
I don't know if he necessarily deserved his second contract the way that uh, John Ham gave it to him. But anytime a guy is able to like stick around with the team inside the next contract, if he's not like the top tier star, I mean, you know, he wasn't a bad guy or anything. I, I think he was relatively cool and he seemed to like Milwaukee. So, uh, you know, I agree if you're looking for just rewarding somebody for years of service, you know, if Ursan wasn't already on the team, John would probably be the second pick. So I agree there. Okay. Yeah. He was also low key. One of my favorite uh, bucks passers ever uh, didn't, didn't get a lot of play, but whenever I wrote a recap, I would always be like, this was my favorite John Henson pass of the night. You always get a shout out. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to your, your Western conference teams. Uh, and real quickly, before we do that, Riley, um, NS is, is these 13, 14 bucks on brew hoop. Once again, shout out our brew hoop commenters, um, you know, R983. He's got for some of our Western conference teams, he's got Patty Mills, Shabazz Napier, Emmanuel Mergolo from the West. He wants Mario Hazonia. <laughs> he oh, wants Mario no. Hazonia. He wants to see what happens when Giannis uh, sees him the first time at training. So what are you, you know, let's let's kick off your your picks, see if Mario Hazonia, if if Emmanuel's picks line up with yours, Riley. So here's the thing, right? It's difficult with Portland because you could either be zany with like Mario, <laughs> you could be extra zany and go for mellow and just let's bring it all the way around because I can't remember... Did we determine, does Giannis like Mello or does he hate Mello? I can't remember because I know he really got up for playing them, <laughs> playing the Knicks in particular. So I don't know if that would be chaos factor as well. But I think, you know, if we, if, strangely enough, the Bucks are the team that gives Mello his ring, like, like <laughs> that'd be a perfect end to his career, I think. Um, or like Trevor Ariza would have been the other guy if I was being semi-serious, but all these picks for a lot of these guys are like, does he have anything in the tank left? Uh, for New Orleans, I had JJ Redick. That's relatively straightforward. Just like, you know, Wes Matthews from three, but maybe a little bit more reliable or a little bit better with a shot creation um, at this, you know, at their current place in their career. Uh, Sacramento, I know everybody hates Jabari Parker. Uh, I would bring <laughs> Jabari back just again, if you're going sentimental and we're looking for rings here, let's hand Jabari a ring for everything that happened when he was here. Uh, I agree with R983 about Patty Mills. I think Patty Mills is like the really obvious, you know, if I'm looking at this entire list for guys who could really contribute from the Kiko, I think he's definitely the highest level just because he's... I don't even know how I would necessarily describe Patty Mills. I mean, everybody kind of knows what he, he's like a spark plug. He's able to do a little bit of everything really good with the ball in his hands. And so that's like insurance plus for Eric Bledsoe. I think Patty Mills, he might even be able to like just start on the team. Cause he's that good. Uh, Phoenix, nobody really compelling. Cause guys making under 12 million. I did Aaron Baines there. He's kind of like the, I, I would prefer him over Robin Lopez, for example, as the backup big, just cause I think he's a little bit more of a proven shooter and you know, he's, Willing to do all the, I mean, a lot of centers are willing to do the nitty gritty stuff, but I just, I think Baines would be a good replacement there. Minnesota, they suck so bad that it's tough to pick anybody, maybe <laughs> like Josh Akoji, I guess, but he's still on uh, rookie contracts. I don't know if that would necessarily work. Um, and then Golden State, I mean, it's got to be Dragon, right? Like, how can you, I don't even know if he still <laughs> has, a, has a contract or a roster spot there, but if I'm going to pick anybody from that team, it's got to be Dragon. just so, again, we can bring him back and make everybody happy that we cut that guy and it's, it was going to cost us a title or whatever. Oh, God. Okay. That's my roundup. That's, <laughs> my that, those are solid. Right. Wow. Kyle, who you got? <laughs> All right. For Portland, I had Trevor Reza. It's just felt like a dude that is willing to get scrappy and can still shoot and defend. So I had Trevor Ariza. 
Uh, New Orleans, I had each one more. Uh, just another wing that can come off the bench and shoot threes. I probably would have gone with one, but we were doing rookie contracts. But I went with each one more for that reason. Sacramento, I went with a popular trade target, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, just, again, wing guy. He could probably start right now. He's, I mean, as we've seen, he seems to be able to drop 30 on the Bucks whenever he wants. Um, San Antonio, I also have Patty Mills. I think, I know we talked about him a a previous episode of the podcast with trade targets and that just would have been the perfect solution just as a point guard that yeah he probably could start over Eric Bledsoe right now and especially in the playoffs then we got a little bit ridiculous for Phoenix I had Frank Kaminsky let's <laughs> yes. bring in bring him all home. the Wisconsin Badger fans <laughs> <laughs> just get all the easy money in the world jersey sales would go through the roof it'd be like oh Sam God. Decker but better <laughs> uh, and then for Minnesota I actually saw Malik Beasley, like, because of that whole Denver trade, they got a lot of Denver guys that I like, like, Martin Gomez and Malik Beasley, so I went with him, and then for Golden State, I just said Jordan Poole, I don't know, seems like he would be okay, I guess, Golden State doesn't really have anything worth a damn that isn't making a lot of money, so... And even if even the players that do make a lot of money, like Andrew Wiggins, I would want no part of. Yeah, Golden State is tough because it's basically like four very good players you can't pick, and then like fifteen players who suck ass, and you don't want <laughs> to pick them at all. Uh, oh man. Okay, I so may, I may have gone slightly over the reason, but it, I I figured that was close enough. <laughs> Dude, Kaminsky would be great. Well, if we get we could uh, you know get Sam Decker out of Russia, bring him home. Uh, I think he's stuck over there. No, we can just leave him in Russia. That's fine. He can... <laughs> oh, wait. Hold him. Come on. He's a wing with potential. Uh... I am not a Sam Decker. I was never a Sam Decker fan, even when he was at Wisconsin. Wow. You seem like an asshole. <laughs> well, I liked him when he was at Sheboygan. Fine, the early days. The early days. Uh... This is this is why it's a plus being a fan of Minnesota, because nobody's good enough to play in the NBA, so I don't even have to like advocate for anybody. I've seen, when I was in Germany for my semester abroad, I saw multiple former Gopher players at the Pro Basketball German League, so that's that's yes. the level I'm aspiring to, is just seeing them in like random encounters in like the former German West Capital or whatever. You guys said most of the ones I had. I had Patty Mills. I had uh, Bogdan. Buddy Heald is probably cheating. Uh, Aaron Baines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said Rodney Hood for the for for you know. I thought he might be okay. He seems kind of like a ball. Did he have like an Achilles injury or ACL injury though? That's why I look concerned. Oh, is he out now? Dang. I don't Suki know. Hobson. Suki Hobson's got like the, the secret end. sauce. We're good. She's good. She's That's got it good. She's got it figured out. So. All right, guys. I feel like what was the what the conclusion we came to here? Like, maybe who who do we think would be absolutely like the best player we would actually want out of the ones that we said? Probably Patty Mills. Patty Mills. Out of, yeah, Patty Mills. Out of I mean, I mean that's both a a condemnation of the level of these rosters, which again is played out in their records, um, but also a you know a, a shine on how good. Um, why can't I remember the GM's name right now? John Horst. My God. What, how good of a roster John Horst has constructed. You know, we can kind of, I'm, we can quibble about the <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon thing. The one downside of this season getting canceled would be we can't definitively find out whether or not Malcolm Brogdon sucks or if we needed him on the team. So that's a bit of a downer. But otherwise, I think the rest of the league, there's, 
if you're looking at realistic options at a certain contract cutoff points, you know, I think we've got a pretty solid roster from top to bottom, which, uh, you know, this exercise kind of drives down. So, yeah, well, real quickly, R983, the official uh, Brew podcast fact checker has, uh, you know, corrected all of us so far. Me, Rodney Hood missed the whole season. So tough <laughs> pick for me. That being said, <laughs> could still be helpful. <laughs> okay, but wait. Okay, Blue so guy on the bench, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. If we pick Patty Mills, who are you guys kicking off? And you can't kick off the Nasus. Damn, uh, it'd mm. be probably Connaughton. Damn, I was gonna say. Well, like, so the issue with DJ is guaranteed money. That's a weekly season. segment. We're gonna do yeah. that as a weekly segment. <laughs> <laughs> the thing, the thing about DJ, and then we'll have to have a new bumper for that as well. Um, if assuming we have to kick off guys who are like expiring, it would probably be Connaughton for me too. I think Sterling is your like extreme break glass in case of emergency. I know everybody loves Pat and the way that he launches himself, and apparently statistically he's one of the greatest defenders in the league when flying by dudes. Apparently, so maybe we have to keep that around. But uh, yeah, I would probably cut Pat too. Wow. What's his KD ratio, though? We got to check that, see how he's doing there. <laughs> if it's not over 1.2, I don't want him. <laughs> That's the cutoff. Oh, so, amazing. Wait, so what, was, what was the rationale for keeping DJ, his contract? Yeah, I'm assuming, I mean, it's it's obviously in this sort of situation, this is, I guess, assuming that like maybe Patty gets bought out or something. Mm. So I, if we're trying to be semi-realistic, even when we were talking about bringing in Marvin, for example... You know, it was this weird balance between, you know, do you eat the money that DJ is going to be owed? I know he's still technically like an asset because now it's going to be an expiring for however much next season. Plus, you don't want to necessarily eat that money on top of whatever else you're paying. Um, You know, as R983 said right here, I think getting rid of Chris because everybody knows he sucks. I think that's a really good option as well that I didn't consider (laughs) off the top. Um, But I, I think when I'm looking at if you're adding another guy, it's just going to be who's expiring. And that's going to be like Sterling, Pat, uh, who else is expiring? It maybe I don't even know how it would work with the guys with options. I don't think you can necessarily get rid of them either. Um, Thanasis, obviously you can't because he's Giannis's brother. So he's, he's untouchable. Um, so I, I well, think that he has a two year contract. So he does as well. Yeah. He's guaranteed though. I think it's less than DJ. Um, so I, I think at that point, you just cut whoever's you might not even bring back next season. Uh, so which is probably going to be whatever Sterling, I would guess. Sterling or Connaughton, yeah. Wow. Well, goodbye, Pat Connaughton or Sterling Brown. Hello, Patty Mills. Hello. <laughs> just like Jim. that, we fixed we fix the rest of the roster, boys. Whoa. We did it. <laughs> there it <laughs> we is. It. We saw the Eric Little conundrum. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, let's do it. Let's go on to our next segment. Um, top Bucks cult heroes for you guys and we want to hear it for anyone watching the live stream chime in with your bucks cult heroes too um but let's 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 kick this off this was your idea kyle let's uh let's kick it off with you so i'm going to go with i don't know if he is considered a cult hero but in my eyes he was he is the prince of camp road luke richard i loved him when he came in the league he was always my favorite player, even though he couldn't shoot worth a damn at the <laughs> beginning of his career. He was his defense. I always vouch that he should be starting. He was at one. I think I think at one point I said he was like the third best Bucks player to a couple of my friends who kind of oh. laughed at me. But he was always like that guy for me. And I think it's kind of funny that near the end of his career, he became a three point shooter. I was like, man, if he could have had that earlier, I think he still would have been a Bucks player. But yeah, for me. 
it was easily him. It just he came to the league from UCLA, instantly was at least a solid player off the bench. Which, granted, we'll talk about this later with that team that he was on. There wasn't much other options, but yeah, for me, I would say he was the guy that for me was my favorite cult hero. Yeah. When I was looking at this experiment, so I, you know, I think we've talked about this before. I only became like a real follow the team fan and uh, in like the fear of the deer run, like a lot of other people. Um, and so my like cutoff for cult heroes kind of goes from there on out. So I had Luke Richard on mine as well. And I was like looking at his, he went from like being a heavy contributor on like those Clippers teams with the, the Blake CP3 Clippers teams to like out of the league and like <laughs> in a quick minute. So his, his drop off was pretty precipitous though. I think he was kind of struggling with like injuries and, you know, keeping the, uh, managing the load and all that sort of stuff at the end of his career. Um, if I, so like I had a couple of people, um, so to me, Brandon Jennings, I mean, he is a cult hero because he came up with the ubiquitous phrase that the team will never really own, but everybody else gets to own, which, you know, and I think everybody clowned on him for it, but I thought given the state of the team, <laughs> the state of that season, and the fact that we were just about to get totally slaughtered by the heat, I thought it, <laughs> took, a, it took a lot of courage and a lot of gumption to make that uh you know, and again, it's like, what else is he going to say? But I think shout out to him. I was a huge Larry Sanders fan before it all went, you know, ass up, unfortunately, because he, there, after that, in the season before he got paid, there was like, everybody was like, is he like a borderline all NBA defense sort of guy? Because his block numbers, I mean, everything else was awful, but his block numbers were so crazy. And I remember multiple games where he was like, I wouldn't say necessarily the heart and the soul of the team, but he's very energetic. He was very like got into it with fans in like a positive way. I remember when Giannis was a rookie, he got Giannis a pair of like snakeskin shoes or whatever. <laughs> it's like one of his gifts as a vet to a rookie. <laughs> um, so I think up until the moment that Larry Sanders, the whole thing went down, I was a huge fan of him. Um, and then the, the only other one I have is uh, Richard Jefferson, not for any particular reason other than he's the only <laughs> He's the only guy who I had a Bucks jersey of. And the only reason why I had a Richard Jefferson Bucks jersey was it was the cheapest thing on eBay when I was a freshman in college. And so uh, it was like three sizes too big. It, <laughs> it was like the old crappy red, white, and green, like shimmery uniforms. Uh, so it was an oh, awful yeah. jersey, but it was, it was the only jersey I've, I've ever had for a Bucks player. So Richard Jefferson makes a list because I wore his name on my back unironically for a couple of years there before I, I think I just threw out the Jersey. So, so. Yeah. <laughs> wow. The, in an incredible list. I'm, I'm sort of akin to you, Riley. I probably became a fan more around fear the deer, like fandom probably reached its peak around the branded night for MCW trade. Uh, <laughs> pretty sad state of affairs for me. Uh, I still remember coming home and being like, God, this Ennis guy, like he's a great, he's going to be on a great <laughs> deal. He's young, like lots of room to improve. Um, so for me, it's just, it's two. And I don't think either of them would qualify as cult um, Bucks heroes for anyone, but um, they are for me. Johnny O'Brien. Um, I think famous, famous buck came out of LSU, yeah. um, didn't quite have the athleticism of Shaq, but had similar strength, mm -hmm. um, a lot better, you know, player able to, you know, shoot from the perimeter, obviously once he left the bucks and went to Charlotte. Um, but 
The reason he's a cult hero for me is um, the you know yearly ESPN rank um, where they rank like the top 400 players. Job slid in at 399 one year, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, forevermore I was impressed by that, especially when he was above Clint Capella in those rankings. Um, and then he was started for several games and basically only played like 10 minutes. Oh, okay, that's a good one. Um, so he, so Job for me. And then um, Damian Inglis, who uh, sucked <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but for his entire rookie year, I was convinced he was going to be like an amazing mm-hmm. 3-and-D wing. He had mm-hmm. all like all the F, like all the sort of strength and frame to be able to do it. I was watching his tape from his games over in Europe. Um, it was tough when like he couldn't jump at all. <laughs> it was really hard for him to dunk. But he was like someone his second year. I was so excited to see him play. And then he just absolutely uh, sucked. So, yeah. I have some honorable mentions as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Go for it. Number one honorable mention, Joel Prisbilla. <laughs> Not only because he was just a massive, large dude, but also mm-hmm. because I have his shoe and it's autographed. And he gave that to me. Get, 12-year-old Kyle forever will love Joel Prisbilla <laughs> for him giving me his shoe. Um, also, Mo Williams. I don't know if he considers a cult hero, but he was – this is like this is old, like early two thousands terribleness. But yeah, Mo Williams was also another one. Kevin Ollie, he was on the Bucks for a hot minute. <laughs> he didn't really do much. He was just kind of there. I don't know. And then there was one last player that I Reese Gaines, Wisconsin, Wisconsin born, Racine native, Reese Gaines. <laughs> <laughs> Went to Louisville as well. So those are some early to mid-2000s teams that forever, I always thought, they were really cool dudes, especially Joel Prisbilla. If, if one I, in my heart. If I was to add two more honorable mentions, my two would be, one, the idea of Dirk being a Buck, because I think he's been one of the most <laughs> celebrated Bucks athletes since the, the trade that, <laughs> that, that never was. So I think, you know... I. In, in an alternate universe, Dirk and Giannis, we had the handoff there. And so, you know, in my mind, I think he's one of them. And then the second one, you know, he, he's already on the team. Urson has to be the other guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, and you know, he, he is a full blown, everybody's cult hero. You know, I mean, obviously he can't move <laughs> nearly as quickly as he used to. Um, I think it would be a really interesting, I think if we were going under like the old Cole and like previous era jersey retirements uh qualifications i think there would probably be a very legitimate chance that ursan since he played here for 40 years could be a jersey retirement uh qualifye um so that would be the uh two other honorable mentions i would add but luckily we already we already have one of them living in the flesh already on the team so yeah ursan's been there since they were purple and green so he's <laughs> been here a hot minute <laughs> that yeah is. yeah great additions r983 uh goes chimes in with michael beasley uh, great That's pick. I feel like Michael Beasley is like a cult hero for every fan base that he was on sort of in the latter stages of his career. He just said like some of the wildest stuff. Um, so Michael Beasley, great addition. Uh, the white point guard from a small college, probably Nate Walters. Yeah. Nate Walters. Nasty yeah. Nate. Nasty you know, Nate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, him, you know, him, of course, same draft class as Giannis, you know, really two steals. <laughs> that would have been, that, that would have been a deadly one, two punch had Nate developed in the way. I think we all, because there was like, I mean, definitely he, I think Nate Walters was forced into the role. I don't know if 
was that Larry Drew and then maybe a little bit of Kid? I can't remember. But there was yeah, like, definitely Larry Drew. Yeah, yep. Nate Walters was definitely getting a little bit of burn, probably more so than he needed. But <laughs> how good of if he developed the most the modern uh, Stockton and Malone would have been in Milwaukee for sure. Definitely a chance there. Well, we, we had like a history of right now was good for us. Um, Ramon Sessions was pretty good. I mean, Ish mm-hmm. Smith wound up being pretty good. So like Nate Walters, you know, he really had potential. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Schultz chimes in with an older, older pick, Paul McKeskey. Um, you know, I, I wish I well, knew them more, but I've heard a lot a of good like, shout. it's a really good shout out. Yeah. Um, from everything I heard, Paul, you know, Mr. McKeskey was a, a fantastic. Mr. McKeskey. <laughs> Mr. McKeskey. <laughs> I know you're listening, Mr. McKeskey. <laughs> Oh gosh. Okay. Oh, that was fun. That was fun to go back. Uh, good suggestion, Kyle. All right. Next segment, guys. This is gonna we're gonna do a recurring one here. I just picked a random team, random Bucks team from the past, um, and it's would you want any of these players from this random Bucks team on this year's roster? Um, and the team I went with was the 0809 Milwaukee Bucks. Um, so yeah. just for, for anyone, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now my, my parameters God. are, I'm not, I didn't tell you guys this ahead of time cause I'm not a good host, but, um, the parameters are, you have to pick the player and that player has to be like basically from that season. So like, for example, um, if you picked Austin Crozier, he's in his 11th season. Okay. So you get, you get <laughs> like, you know, 33 year old Austin Crozier or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Um, but just for anyone who's listening, you know, you can look up that team, but here I'm just going to run through the players and we'll kick it to you Riley for who you got. So, uh, Joe Alexander, rookie year, Malik Allen, seventh year, Charlie Bell, fourth year, Keith Bogans, fifth year, Andrew Bogut in his third year, Austin Crozier, 11th year, uh, Francisco Elson, fifth year, Dan Gadzarich, shout out, uh, sixth year, Eddie Gill, sixth year, Richard Jefferson, seventh, Damon Jones, 10th, Tyron Liu, 10th, Luke Mbamute, his rookie year, Michael Red, eighth year, Luke Ridnour, his fifth year, Ramon Sessions, first year, excuse me, sorry, I guess like second year, um, and then Charlie Villanueva, um, you know, three years of experience. So who you got, Riley? This is a really tough one. There, To me, I would almost say the entire roster because there's this <laughs> roster of heavy hitters we got going on here. A lot of, if we were going to say cold heroes, this is the roster full of cold heroes. Um, I appreciate too, I'm assuming, <laughs> was Joe Alexander, Was is he like a army brat or something? Because it says here that he was born in Taiwan in Kaohsiung, so I'm guessing... His like parents were in the military or something, or he he's like a Taiwan. He's from Taiwan too, I guess. I don't know. Um, probably not going to go for Joe Alexander, even though everybody obviously thought that he was going to be one of the greatest players of all time. Uh, if I was to be like a serious pick here, probably Richard Jefferson, just because I mean he was the most prolific player on the team that season. Um, his three point shooting he shot almost forty percent from three, which is amazing. His rebounding numbers are pretty good too. Uh, so I'd say probably Richard Jefferson would make the most sense though. Again, if I was to choose like a point guard, it's tough between Luke Ridnour or Ramon Sessions, because I think Luke Ridnour had, uh, he's like the experienced guy. So probably if I was to go one or the other, probably him, but I think Sessions would be a good shot as well. So I, though he, I should note that Sessions only shot 17% from three. So it was, uh, Not exactly his greatest uh, foray, but you know the league was different at that point. You were only taking like twenty threes a game, if that. So, uh, yeah, I pr- I'd probably go for. Oh, and it says here that thirteen fourteen bucks was is in Taiwan right now. So I'm gonna need you to confirm Joe Alexander's <laughs> Taiwanese citizenship if you can, please. <laughs> 
If I had to pick, I think I would <laughs> trimmed it down to three players. It's either Andrew Bogut, Luke Luke Mbamute, mm-hmm. or Ramon Sessions. And I think I would I think I would go with Bogut just because this was right before this was the season before his breakout. This was just before he became that all NBA type of player. And I think he would yeah, I would pick him just because his defense and his ability to be a good pick and roll big would have been very useful with Giannis and with Eric Bledsoe. Um, yeah, I think I – nope, nope, I'm going to Bambute. His defense would have been way mm-hmm. – that would have been a valuable asset, his perimeter defensive skills. And he can match up with a Kawhi. He can match up with a LeBron, Pascal Siakam. He would be able to kind of ha- provide the athleticism that Marvin and Ursan don't have. And I think that would have been very useful just to give Giannis a breather as well. He could guard threes and four. So I would probably go with Bob Mute if I actually had to pick. And that's not me, me being biased. That is just simply if I had to think of defensively. I think on offense, Milwaukee wouldn't need much with the current roster, but they would need a guy just to like guard the toughest assignment. Were we did we say did we say Michael Red was cheating? No, no well, we so. said at the time, you said at the time of this of their career. So I think this is after like one or two ACL tears for Michael Red. So that's why I didn't consider him. He was in the Jabari Parker portion of his career at this point, I think. So, wow. Uh, okay, yeah, so. Well, this, I'm just saying from like post injuries, just he sustained a bunch of injuries. 36.6% yeah. shooting from three on 5.8 attempts per game. He must have gotten an injury that season because he only played 33 games. So that must have been this was so oh. this is like the final year because he played 72 games or yeah he played 72 games the year before and then after that he really dropped off. So either you know this is well we could probably go back and look, but I'm assuming he either sustained an injury or what because after that I mean he only played 18 games the season after that, 10 after that, and then 51. He's like really dangerously close to playing his whole career for Milwaukee. That would have been kind of cool, I guess, even though. It obviously didn't turn out well in the end, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would probably go with Richard Jefferson, like you did, Riley. Charlie Bell could be a low key one. He's, you know, he's probably about like what Pat Connaughton is for the team or something. You know, he shot, what did he shoot here? 36.3% from three. Maybe he's a better shooter now. Um, but I kind of like Luke Ridnour. I always liked Luke Ridnour quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be a good, good little addition. Um, for the team have a little more backup point guard juice. Yeah, it was a, I think it was a perfect roster to start this out with. And also we should note the other thing that I looking at this and then going for cult heroes, Scott Skiles was a coach for the bucks <laughs> for a long goddamn time. Like a long, <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, season after season, they kept trotting Scott Skiles out there. Like, I mean, you want to talk about a long leash. That was the place to be <laughs> it was in Milwaukee when Herb Cole was running things because he would let you just roll for a long time before he <laughs> finally pulled the trigger. So shout out to that guy for somehow being the coach for like eight seasons. Oh God. All right. Well, who would you guys kick off if you're putting on your player? Just like we're, we're no stipulations. I didn't think this through well enough. So just like, who are you kicking off? Well, I'd probably kick off Joe Wilson and take the cap hit if I'm going to replace him with Bob Mute. Yeah. Uh, again, if if I'm trying to be like somewhat realistic with Richard Jefferson, I think that's. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe I just get rid of Marv right away. Like, oh, 
<laughs> like, I don't know, like Ursan, you you might be able to do whatever. He's got the contract next season potentially. So I mean, maybe Marvin. I don't know. That's it's again. It comes down to like Sterling or whatever. If you're making that big of a talent upgrade, relatively easy to kick off one of the very end of the bench guys. And again, you can't even in this situation you can't get rid of Thanasis because he's Giannis's brother. He's that ironclad with his roster spot that even in this zany experiment where we're doing time travel to 2008 2009 <laughs> he's still safe with his roster spot so shout out thanasis agreed agreed he's locked in all right guys we got like 10 minutes left and you know we won't rush it but we got about 10 minutes left in live stream so let's move on to our last uh, usual potpourri final bits here um we're going to start it off of course with uh, rapid fire questions <sighs> That's a terrible race car sound that I tried yes. to find. I didn't spend a lot of time on that, uh, just like I didn't with the question. So first one, what is your guys' haircut plan uh, during this? It's a really good question. So my hair, as you can see, can you see it? You can kind of see it. It's getting pretty long. Uh, I usually style it over, a little comb over over the top because I got no creativity. Uh, my plan was to get a haircut relatively soon, but now I'm thinking – the issue with me going for a man bun is I need to either get really jacked, so really start weightlifting a lot, or I need to get contacts. Because how many dudes do you see with a man bun who has glasses and isn't like gorgeous, you know? So I think I'm in a tough spot right now. I think I'm going to let it keep growing because what else am I going to do? But what I'm going to like style it, put it in a bun or something. I mean, I don't know how long. I this- don't think Catherine's going to let you roll with a man bun anyway. So. <laughs> She might just cut it off in the middle of the night, so we'll see. But I'm going to just let it keep growing and keep combing it over until it gets too unruly and I have to do something else. Yeah, I got a haircut a month ago, and normally I try and go like every month, month and a half. So I'm probably due for a haircut, but I'll probably I'll just have to grow it out just because I'm not doing it myself because that's going to end poorly. <laughs> and I don't trust uh... anyone else besides <laughs> my barber, so... I think I'm just going to have to grow it out. Maybe I'll try and like shave the sides a little bit more, but the top is just going to stay the same, I think. So do do neither of you trust your significant others to cut your hair? I think my difficulty is she wouldn't know how to do the layering, and I don't even know what the hell layering means, but it's a term that's used <laughs> when I'm getting it cut. So I'm just, I'm a little nervous about that, and maybe it turn out fine, but, uh, you know, and at the end of the day, the hair grows back, so it wouldn't even be the end of the world. And I already like put stuff in it to like fix it up when it looks like crap anyhow. So I'm sure if it came to worst came to worst and we did need to cut it, she'd be more than happy to. And it's not much I could really do about it. So it would just be the line. That's, <laughs> that's my concern. <laughs> Can't fuck it up. <laughs> okay. All right. What is the, uh, since since there's a lot of awareness about restaurants right now, trying to make sure that we support them uh, while most of their employees are laid off, what's the best meal uh, you have eaten? And if it's not like the best, the best, just like uh, like one of the best you've ever eaten at a restaurant. So like since the quarantine went into place. So like oh, first no, example. Just, no, just any Just time. in general? Yeah. Oh, God. Ooh. That's a really good question. So. I don't know, Kyle, do you have one off the top of your head? Not off the top of my head. Like, there's a lot of options I can go with. So I'm just going to give it... I don't have one. 
I don't have one off the top of my head, like the greatest I've ever had, but yeah. there's this place called Gorka Palace nearby uh, my place. Uh, they're a Nepali Tibetan restaurant, and we just got some dishes from there, whatever, earlier this week as part of trying to uh, help support, or, uh, support smaller restaurants and everything. It was delicious the like the curry the sauce the how creamy it was the different mix of vegetables and meats and everything it was really really good and so i'm trying to branch out and find more places like that there's also a japanese place called zen box izakaya in minneapolis they do really good bento boxes like greatest meal i've ever had that's tough it's like you know what have you done for me lately and those places have done it for me lately would be uh, my two shouts here in minneapolis so i think overall there's a restaurant kind of outside of Chicago. It's a seafood restaurant. It's called Bob Chin's. And that has some of the best seafood I've had. Granted, it for okay, let me change it. It's the best seafood I've had for a place in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. It's it had lobster and crab and it was it was pretty good. Like we always go there. My family always goes there for big occasions to celebrate. So I would say I just remember like having it as a kid and it was one of the best seafoods I had. I've been there since. And I would say that is the most memorable meal but in terms of like local area there's a venezuelan restaurant called la taguara um so they have this comfort meal deal it's like 30 dollars, and you get rice um shredded beef beans sweet plantain and arepas and it can feed like a family of four technically but since it's just emma and i it's like we were able to have leftovers and that's always been one of my favorite restaurants um and then the other one i would say is an indian restaurant called swagat and they have this chicken tikka masala that the tikka masala sauce is probably the best that i've had ever and i would yeah i actually i'll change my answer that my swagat tikka masala fantastic i need to order that soon (laughs) i love that so many diverse cuisines uh love those love those suggestions guys all right Favorite extracurricular growing up? Uh, go for it, Kyle. You look like you might have one. I guess, like at the time, marching band was it was a good time. It was one of the few <laughs> moments in high school I actually liked. <laughs> yeah, I would go marching because, like freshman year, we went to Pasadena. We got to march at the tournament of Roses Parade, which was pretty awesome um junior year we and then watch wisconsin window. lose in the game sorry continue <laughs> wisconsin didn't play that game they can okay, okay. Right, okay. USC. so didn't have to worry about that um yeah so yeah freshman year to the tournament rose is pretty much that junior year we went to florida and was at universal studios and got the march in a parade there um otherwise just like the state competitions and traveling around and doing competitions on the weekend yeah, it was one of the few things that high school actually enjoyed was marching band. I would say that my go-to would be uh, Boy Scouts, which is like super. It people is hearing like, "Wow, what a lame!" Which I mean, you know, some of it is deserved, but I really, my family, my dad was is is an Eagle Scout. I've been it since I was in like Cub Scouts when I was like five or six. I really all the other guys that were in the you know troop were really cool the leaders were really cool all the activities we did you know you have your weekly meetings and all that sort of stuff so i really enjoyed boy scouts from top to bottom even if the organization sometimes can be a little problematic in some aspects of uh what they're doing and going into bankruptcy and all sorts of different things but when i was in it for my specific troop i really loved it and the different stuff we did so that would that would be my shout out with some caveats on the side 
Uh, all right. Well, that's that's all I got, guys. We'll move on. Kyle, do you have a film review? I'm trying to remember if I did cool runnings already or not. I don't think, I don't so. think so. No, please do that. Oh, perfect. Then yes, we're gonna go with Cool Runnings. Um, classic Disney movie about the Jamaican bobsled team in the nineteen ninety, I believe, Winter Olympics. Um, yeah, just a good movie. A lot of great morals, and it's one of those where they were able to depict Caribbean culture without it being super problematic and annoying, which I appreciated. Like, there's still stuff that kind of made me cringe, but. Yeah, it's just a very enjoyable movie, very feel-good story based off of true life events. Um, you kind of just hope that they make fun of the Swiss team a lot, and yet at the same time, I feel like the Swiss team just didn't do anything. They are just minding their own business, and it was more the German team that was kind of the asshole. So just good to see like how it all like turned out, like I said, based on the true story. So it's just an enjoyable movie, and it's like relatively – and it's a like, quick, easy watch. I think it's only like an hour and a half, but – yeah, good movie. Nine out of ten. We'll always watch when it's on Disney Plus. And I was kind of mad when Disney Plus first came out. That wasn't an opt-in. So now that they finally added it, made me feel better. Wow, high praise. Nine out of ten. That's good. <laughs> All right. Yeah, um, this second highest movie I have besides Coming to America. <laughs> Coming to America, I give it ten. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're next up. We have the. Um, Fountain pen review, and I'm just going to – I have some bumpers here. <laughs> now, take a fountain pen. There you go. Speaking of, speak of the devil. So it's been a while since we last spoke about fountain pen, which is probably <laughs> for the best for everybody involved, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I have three new pens in my collection since we last spoke about it. Uh, and two of them are Twisbees, which is a Taiwanese company. Um, I know that 13, 14 bucks said they're uh, in Taiwan. So I don't know if Twisbees really well known or well, you know, used over in Taiwan. But the one that I'm presenting today is my new Eco T. Uh, is there like cheaper option? It costs about 30 bucks. And the thing that's special about it, uh, two things. One, you can see in the middle there, it's a demonstrator. So the body of it is clear. Uh, I have just black ink in it right now, but you could do like green, red, whatever ink, and you can see it and slosh around. Um, the other thing is the nib is a stub nib. So what that means is it writes a little bit thicker. And when you're going vertical, the lines are thin. But when you go horizontal, the lines are a little bit thicker. So it gives a lot of character to your writing. Um, just got it in the mail actually yesterday and uh, really have loved it so far. Um, it's a really smooth writer. I was a little nervous because I write really small that it would be you know too much ink for me to like be legible. But um, so far, like 24 hours, it's been really excellent. So if you're looking for a cheap beginner pen, something that's light, that's easy, uh, again, 30 bucks. I know it sounds frivolous for a fucking pen, but you know, <laughs> in the world of fountain pens for 30 bucks, this is, it's really, really good value. So uh you're looking for a friend or you want to start writing or you know you're into cursive or independentship this is a good place to start so that's my my super lame fountain pen review i have two more that we'll talk about in the future as we really we milk for ideas over the coming months as the, <laughs> once the season gets canceled so that's what i got today yeah and for any uh any podcast listeners out there you're you're gonna want to see a little bit of this just so it's time stamped check out the video it'll be on the brew hoop uh article that we put this up with you know, around 125, you're going to want to tune in to see the demonstration that Riley gave about where the disruptor is, I think. Is that what it's called? The demonstrator. Demonstrator. <laughs> we'll get there, guys. The right we'll letter. get there. 
uh all right okay to close us out guys we're gonna do weekly predictions okay so what we've done here is i have simmed each of these games on nbagamesim.com shout out i didn't pay for the premium version we could sim it like ten thousand times so we get an accurate <laughs> amount i just simmed it once so these are all home games this week yeah tuesday versus uh, the 23rd versus detroit then against houston and then against washington so what is your prediction riley for how they will do I don't want to be a pessimist here, uh, but no, nah, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm going to go for two and one. I'm guessing that the, I'd be really curious. I'm going to have to go look this up later to see how it runs it, like what math it's doing to figure it out. <laughs> I would guess that the system gave us wins against Detroit and Washington and a loss to Houston um, because maybe the system is really out of whack with this like whole new small ball that's throwing the numbers for Houston uh, all over the place. So I would say two and one is what these simulations said we went this week. <laughs> Kyle, three, can your optimism? Oh, <laughs> is it three and oh? How do we do three and oh? Here? But either way, three and oh, obviously winning against Detroit, aka Bucks East, and then Washington, who are not that good. Brandon Beal still scored 55 points, but Bucks still win. And then with the Houston game, I think because of it being at home, I think the game simulator would give Milwaukee the slight edge, just taking the numbers and realizing, oh, it's a home game for Milwaukee, so why not? So I'll go three and zero. All right, I'm with you, Kyle. I'm I'm going three and zero. I have some optimism. Real quick, I want to shout out Maggie uh, and and R ninety three who are shouting out Riley's pen review. I got a little sample for you guys. Now that I see that the people are demanding more pen content. <laughs> Just so you can see, I mean, my camera sucks, but just so you can see, let's see if you can see the character on the. Oh wow! So you oh, can sure. you can tell where it's given a little bit more thickness on the downstroke sideways on on horizontal. Now I could show you examples of my other writing, but we'll wait for uh, other pen reviews for that because those are from my other pens. But as you can see, it really gives you like some, I don't even know, like some gothic character to it. It's. People get crazy with these damn things. So that, that'll be the last pen note. But since you're about to shout those people out, uh, that's a little example <laughs> this pen is capable of. Yeah, we always we always knew that that was sort of our demographic. And, you know, we're trying to pay, play into that now. So thank you, Riley, for bringing that to <laughs> no us. No problem. <laughs> we're all 80 years old is what the demographic is. That's what that's what we're trying to exude here from the podcast. OK. All right. Here we go. We're going to I'm going to. I haven't looked at these results, but we're going to go one by one to show you guys how we did. Okay. So first up is that uh, Detroit game. Here we go. Oh, no. We lost. 119. <laughs> uh, who is the top score? Let's get the leading scores. Does it give yeah, you that? Okay. Yes, it does. Oh, uh, Christian Wood, 22 points for the for the Pistons. Oh, wow. That's A monster 22.13 rebound performance. That is just nuts. Um, that sounds about right, though. <laughs> Jordan McRae goes off for 18. Um, <laughs> okay. God, Langston Galloway, 16. Tony Snell for 14. And then uh, McKay Look, 13. Don Maker, 7 points and 4 points for Brandon Knight. Those now, both feel really right. Those feel correct. Of all the parts of this simulation, that's the one that really jumps uh, out to me. Okay. So they somehow... What in the world? So they got 30 free throw attempts. Uh, <laughs> the repping is still bad, even in the simulations. Come on. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Let's see what the Bucks did. So we got 12 free throw attempts. Yes, of course. Of course we did. Come on. 29 points for Giannis. Um, 
Let's see. Very much on brand. Um, Chris, seven for 15. Only takes two three-pointers, though. Okay. Um, Brooke Lopez goes one for five from three, just like we all knew. Oh, damn, this is this is a really good simulator, actually. I take it all back. This is really good. Eric Bledsoe, just nine points. Pretty yeah, on yeah. brand. <laughs> okay, wow. And the Bucks shoot 35% from three. Shoot the okay. same amount as the Pistons, which feels a little odd. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's you know, not terrible. But, right? Yeah. Uh, so, it's okay. So, so that's tough. So, Riley, you could still win this. Okay, let's go to the Houston <laughs> game. Bucks win. 117 to 100. They throttle them. It's yeah. not even close. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a murder. It's a massacre out there. James Harden, 8 for 20. Russell Westbrook, 10 yep. for 22. They held him in check. Good work, Blake. Uh, good work, Eric Bledsoe. Wow. They shoot just 34.4% from the floor. Just terrible. Bucks, they shoot 52.6% overall, 26 points for Giannis, 18 for Eric Bledsoe. Mm -hmm. Chris Middleton only takes eight shots, uh, just weird. <laughs> not not ready for the moment. That's yes. what that is right there. That would be the commentary from uh, from the Chris Skeptic crowd. <laughs> 12 points, oh, uh, 13 points for Wes Matthews. Huge game for him. Five of five from the floor. Yep. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, so Bucks win, All 117 right. to 100. With this um, last one, this uh, is nerve-wracking, this final game against Washington. Bradley Beal goes for 80. Oh, no! 136 to 119 Wizards. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Did Bradley Beal have, like, 85 points, I guess? He must have scored He had 43 40. points. Yes, he did. He Absolutely, he points. did. 18 of 32. He, he still only shot eight threes, which feels weird, but uh, that's fine. <laughs> Oh God! I think wow. what's great what's great about these. Oh wait, Han, you had another stat. Sorry, they shoot sixty point nine percent from the field, forty eight point four percent from three. <laughs> Dude, I t I've been saying it all season. The only way teams can be is, is if they shoot out of their minds from three. We just happen to get hit by it, <laughs> hit by it against the Wizards. That's all. Oh. That would have to be. Is that an NBA record? <laughs> I feel like I feel like the other thing we should do at these end of these exercises is what then is the narrative about the Bucks coming off of this week after these results? I think the Giannis is an MVP slash the Lakers are guaranteed to win the title narrative. It gets that much more ramped up. If even if you beat the Rockets because you say, oh, they're kind of gimmicky, they're small ball, you lose to the <laughs> to the Pistons and the Wizards at uh -huh. home. I mean, we are a fraud team at that point in the national narrative. Well, I wow. would say there would be plenty of referee conspiracies after the Detroit game, just on a free throw disparity. Alex yeah. Lazary goes on a tweeting rampage. Still doesn't get fined by the league, by the way. Yeah. Um, then Milwaukee went to Houston. Narrative is in Giannis's favor. Everyone memes James Harden putting his pants, so all is well in the world. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. the Washington game turns into a this is why. It's kind of like the Phoenix game where all of a sudden everyone's just like, what the hell just happened? It's going to be the Phoenix game <laughs> where Washington just shoots so well and there's nothing you can do about it. Oh, God. The the narratives. The narratives. And then I just want to I just want to shout this out because he was uh, quiet in the first two games. But in this Washington game. Oh, I'm excited now. <laughs> we can use it together. I think I can be a professional basketball player. I think I could be a professional basketball <laughs> player. We do too, Dante. We do too. Uh, he had 11 points. 
Okay. That's the thing that's most annoying about the season. That's really the thing that's most annoying about the season. We were waiting for Dante to win us a game or two in a critical playoff series, and we're not going to have the joy of that potentially this year, which is a real shame, which I think everybody here agrees would be the biggest letdown of the season for sure. Hundred percent agreed. Wow. Well, this was a lot of fun. I'm gonna say one thing real quick. Hopefully, it was a good distraction for everyone. One real thing about the current situation. Obviously, just follow your local guidelines to best build your abilities. Wash your hands. I know it's really hard to do all of the kind of stuff that we're gonna have to be doing in the months ahead in terms of staying inside, getting essentials. Um, but it's really, really important for me personally, close to home. Obviously, we all have other people that we care about that if they get this. Um, could really be deadly to them. For me personally, um, I don't have a lot of family living near me. Thankfully, my parents are in a pretty good place. Um, That's not true for everyone. And then my wife works in a medical ICU. Um, It's the designated COVID unit for our hospital in Philadelphia. It's going to be really rough for her. So please, please, please do your best to flatten the curve and try and prevent this from from spreading too exponentially and really slamming our our healthcare um, to, to the umpteenth degree. So, um, and one cheer note, happy birthday, Maggie. She commented on, I'm glad that you were able to join our stream. Happy birthday to you. Hope you have a good day. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And if anybody has suggestions for things we could do a little different, you know, things you'd like to see us talk about since we're, we can only talk about the 2002, 2003 bucks so many times before we lose our <laughs> minds. So if there are other topics, um, I know Adam, you posted an article on the brew Hoop page about, you know, it, putting this together to say we're going to be streaming you guys are more than welcome those who already comment or if you don't already go on to twitter or wherever just give us ideas because we're going to need them over these coming months especially if we're going to try and keep you know whether we do it weekly bi-weekly whatever the the deal is so or semi-weekly i don't even know how it would be so just just let us know if there are any things you'd like us to talk about or suggestions for how we could improve yes please do and you know i we had some, it was great to have everyone on commenting for anyone who's listening via the podcast, which, you know, could be the majority of people tune in. We're going to, you know, we'll let everyone know when we're going live on, on, on brewhoop.com with an article. Um, we'll hear how this, we'll listen to this back and hear how it translates to podcast. Hopefully it's not, you know, we're not losing too much in translation. Um, but, uh, you know, thank you everyone for tuning in. It was awesome. This was a really nice distraction. Um, hopefully you guys, uh, have a really nice week. Uh, go to brewhoop.com. You know, we occasionally will have, you know, threads where you can talk about basketball. You can talk about, talk about it's a, you know, good community for all of us. And, um, you know, follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, and we'll talk to everyone again soon. Thank you so much for joining us. Mm-hmm.